As the world begins to emerge from the cave of the 21st century and opens its eyes onto the suffering from centuries of injustice and the bastardization of what it means to be free, the new Nomos podcast is a call. A call for a new beginning. A call for the new men and the new women that yearn to be truly free. A call for us to fulfill our destiny. A call for a new Nomos on the earth. Welcome to the New Nomos Podcast. I'm Abdallah Dutton, inviting you to join me on this journey of discovery to define what the New Nomos is and what we need to get there. A couple of years ago, I was getting ready to leave the house. I was all suited and booted, ready for my day. And my son comes up to me, who was two at the time. I said, My boy, today, your father's going off to conquer. And then I asked him, what's the first thing you do when you go out to conquer? And he looked me straight in the eyes and said, I conquer myself. I was, <laughs> I was completely blown away. I mean, it's not that, it's not about whether he knew or didn't know what he was saying, but in that moment, he was the conduit for that message. And since that moment, it's been this kind of question or this idea in the back of my head if you want to conquer outwardly you have to conquer inwardly and it's something that I've been toying with and trying to understand in more detail and so I pitched that concept to my coach Rashad Ahmed and this episode is what came out from it it's raw I haven't edited it because I felt that editing it would change the nature of the conversation and while it was very much for me and my personal journey i want to share it so my listeners can gain and benefit from seeing this theme and this idea in another light so without much further ado i present to you episode 27 redefining conquest babur and the complete man. There's something that I've been reflecting on, which is, you know, I, I look through my genetic history and I look at my ancestors and I look at various people that I am inspired by and I am curious about. And one of the kind of recurring themes is conquest. And whether that's Timur or Babur or Humayun or the Mughal emperors or the Ottoman emperors or... On the other side, Henry V of the United Kingdom or Edward III or even William Wallace and the kind of my historical teaching at school, Robert the Bruce and all of these kind of, or Genghis Khan, or, you know, there's names after names that if you start looking through history, they, they, they come out, they come up. And I'm, it's one of my kind of pet curiosities. Why? Conquest. Why? Because... I find it, well, let me give you my reflection from last night, which was, I was reading about Babur, who was the first Mughal emperor, and he went into India and he conquered the Lodi dynasty and set himself up and his descendants to be the rulers of the, what was Hindustan, the subcontinent. And I was thinking about it, I was reflecting on it, and when you look at his early life, he became the ruler of Fergana, you could say almost too early. He was 12 years old. His, they were mountain people and his father fell off the mountain. It's like, doesn't really make any kind of logical sense that these people that have lived in the mountain and this is the, the ruler of that area fell off the mountain. But, you know, that's what happened. And, you know, the, the rulership over that province was thrust onto him and then 
each of the provinces had, you know, was ruled by a cousin or an uncle or a second cousin or something. And everywhere he, he, he would go, he went from Fergana to Samarkand and he conquered Samarkand and then something happened in Fergana. He went back to Fergana and lost it and he kept going back. I'm going to take you straight back to where you started the conversation as much as you construct the rest of it. So I'm going to ask you a question that returns back to it. So mm. it doesn't matter how much of a story you tell me about why it means to you. I'm going to go back to the initial question of conquest. Like, immaterial of what you say. All right, but the, the point of what is interesting for me about... Yeah, this is what I want to know. Why is it interesting for you? Is, at no point during his conquest did he know he was going to succeed. And now when you look back at the history and you see the whole picture and you see, okay, he went from 12-year-old ruler to 40-year-old emperor in that 30 years with a whole load of obstacles and whatever, what I find interesting is what was going through, what was in him, not, he didn't know he was going to be successful. He didn't know he was, he was successful? going to From my perspective, So what is your definition so. of success? Hey. And what's your definition of conquest? And what's the reason to refer to other people if we're talking about the path of direct experience? What do you want? You. I want to experience that journey. Why? Because it's, it's, it sounds and feels like the most epic adventure. And if it's not, it'd be a waste of time. Well, if I wanted, would it be? Well, if I want to experience that, would it be a waste of time experiencing that, even if it's a failure? Yeah, it's a, fine. But why have the expectation of this great adventure making it part of your entire life's purpose? The other question I have for you is then, what is wrong with this moment that requires you to be there? It requires me to be where? You want to go on this adventure. I want to go on this adventure. What's wrong with this? Are you in the present moment? No. No. Right. So what is the point of your existence outside of Babur and Henry V? Who are you? What are you? What do you want here? To leave a legacy. Why? Who told you that leaving a legacy is a good idea? Mm -hmm. Who made that into your dream achievement? If nobody knew about you, would you be useful to this planet or not? If nobody knew about me, would I? If all you did was stay home and fed your children, worked in a factory, and died, <laughs> what would be wrong with that? Isn't that subjective? Exactly. Now, why is that wrong to you? Well, why is that a good thing? Obviously, it's a bad thing because you want to be Babur, riding the elephants and setting yourself in the history books. But why? Why you? What will that give you? Because we only want an experience because it will give us something. What will you finally get in there? And what will you know about yourself that you don't? Because if you knew everything about yourself... Well, I would say that if I did get that, what would I know about myself? I would know that I had the capacity within me to conquer. And why do you want to conquer? Because it, everything that I see in the world, everything that I see wrong with the world, I can see... What is the definition of the word conquer? What is the definite definition of the word, word conquer? And how is that different from taking? And how is it different from pillaging? How is that different from raping? Because part of conquering is that. When you conquer something or someone, you overcome it with your utter brute force and might. That's what conquer is. If conquer. you say, I want to succeed at establishing a healthy empire very different to conquering the word conquering has an attachment to you and i'd like to explore that mm. why is conquer you looked at all the conquerors the great conquerors and you'd like to be one of those conquerors so what is one who conquers in your definition not in the oxford definition yeah it's the one that goes into a f foreign place right 
and overcomes whatever force is there. Right. And what does it take? Establishes themselves or their well, that's, people that, there. That's what do they take? What does it Come take on. to be a conqueror? A massive dream and insane courage. So that's what you want, courage and a massive dream. More courage and a bigger dream. Why do you want a bigger dream? Well, I don't know if a bigger dream, I think my dreams are pretty big, but definitely the courage. So why do you have this dream? Why do I have this dream? Why do you want to do big things? Because I don't want to do small things. Yeah, but why not? What's wrong with small things? Uh, what would it prove about? In my thought process, I'm saying there's nothing wrong with small things if they're leading towards big things. But again, that comes back to what is big and what is small. Because maybe the smallest thing that one does... How does that manifest. make you feel, wanting to do bigger things? How does that make me feel uh, that I am not doing bigger things? And how does that make you feel, not a conceptual understanding? Mm, how does that make me feel? If I feel, I want, I want to do that, where are you now? There, in the future. No, right now you're not, therefore you want to be there. So you're not present in your... Well, that's not the point. But the point is that, how does that make you feel? If I'm not where I'm meant to be, or where I'd like to be, then how does that make you feel? I wouldn't say insecure, that's not the word. It's, um, it makes you, feel, makes you feel... Do you feel that you've achieved? No. It makes you feel lack. Right, it makes you feel a lack of a sense of achievement. A lack of a sense of achievement, yeah. So is that a worthwhile emotion to be participating in the world with? Definitely not. Right, so how do you change that? What emotion do you want to have in this moment? Exactly when you achieve that, which would be the sense of? Accomplishment. Right. So how about you give that up? Mm -hmm. Recognizing the reason you're doing that is that you can say, I took on a huge challenge with a big dream, had a whole bag of courage, and I did that. Therefore... I've achieved greatness. Right. Now, if you never get there because you have a big dream which may collapse before you die, mm. then how did you live? In lack. Right. And the lack of sense of achievement. Mm. I am not successful mm. until I get that big thing, until I conquer the Mongol Empire. Then I'm useless. Well, then you're living in a state of feeling useless. Right. Because you're not very good right now. Because look, you have big dreams and you need a lot of courage and you're doing this pathetic life. <laughs> right? How does that make you feel in the day-to-day -day engagement? You wake up in the morning going, I'm still not that. Yeah. Uh, look at me, look at me. I'm, how do I become successful? Read a book on success. So first step is wake up at 4 in the morning, join the 4 a.m. club, do 300 push-ups and then you know do 10 hours of yoga. And then you're ready to go and conquer the world. And you do it and you're like... I'm still not there, I'm still here. So what do we do? We go push harder, get a new coach, read another book on success, read and reminisce about where you should be, about the moguls and about the, the tyrants of before, and you know, reminisce about how you could become that. Right? Oh. But you're just here in this pathetic situation, right? You're not that. And then you read that and you're like, oh, I feel more connected now, because you see, I got that in me. It's in me. I, I could be that. And look, I'm reading these stories and romanticizing about these things I could be. I know I'm going to do it. I know I can do this. All contained within me. I'm sorry, I just need to say it because it's distracting me, but there's a point in Babu's... Well, he, he lost a certain battle and lost, I think it was Fulgan or Samarkand, one of them. And he never got over it. In his, I wonder like, why. Even in his 40s, he's writing his memoirs or whatever, and that was still the one thing that... Right, always the one thing. Mm. You will never be successful. You or anybody else on this planet. Mm. Until they decide to say, now I stop wanting what society, what my evolutionary instinct is telling me to go and conquer. Mm. I want to be here. I want to be now. 
and I want to be content. And I give up my ambitions because I know they're not real. What is real ambition? Right? What is a worthwhile goal as far as you're concerned? Not as far as the universe, the planet, the great Mongols, the great this, the great inspirations, you know, the great YouTube stars, uh, right? Um, what would be a worthwhile goal to achieve, to spend all your efforts achieving? And of course, all the moral things can come in now and what we're meant to do as good people, just members of society, da, 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 whatever. So this is not negating all of those great men and women and all mm. the rest of us. Like, okay, so I'll become successful and maybe I'll conquer, right? In, in the, the word conquer involves power. The, words, the word settling or I'd like to live in India. There's a very difference to I want to conquer India or let's say Venezuela, for instance. I don't care mm. about what country we talk about. It requires power. And it generally conquering means to overpower. It has that implication from my limited understanding and I could be wrong. It, the opposite of conquering would be what? Submitting. Submitting. Right. Uh, and what would be something else you could do instead of conquering? Like, for instance, uh, I building. Aha. Right. Precisely. One implies domination and destruction. And the other one involves collaboration, empathy, compassion, and building. I will build people. I will build India to make it the great nation it was once was. A conqueror had no choice. An authentic conqueror would say, well, it's too far gone. Mm. I've got to break the whole thing down and start again. We've got to conquer that. We've got to demolish that. There's nothing useful left. Mm. And that's where I feel if you look at it in yourself, then you're selling yourself short. Because if you want to conquer out there, then what you want to do is conquer inwards. And if you want to conquer inwards, then you're going to destroy everything that has been built upon this house. This house that is you and your past. You don't want to conquer yourself. What you want to do is you want to integrate, nurture, build, and be compassionate inwardly instead of the brutal nature which you reflect outwardly. Whatever people want to do is a projection. Whatever people want to do outwardly is a projection of what they're trying to do inwardly. So someone says, I want to be a counselor for children. Well, you want to relive your childhood. Mm. I want to be a great doctor. You want to heal your lost father. I want to be rich. I want to be rich. I want... To be rich is that I want to feel less inadequate about myself. Mm. Right? Uh, and rich is not a vocation in that sense. I was talking more vocational. Okay. This is more of an emotion. Yeah. You're talking about emotion. I want to feel rich. It's because I don't feel rich. Why would you want to feel rich if you are rich? Mm. But what is the definition of rich? I want to be successful. You want to conquer? I wanted to conquer. Do you want to conquer? Well, now that I think about it, no, I don't. And, I, and I'll tell you why. It's based on, not why, but there's definitely a, a pulling back uh, a thought from the book, The Art of Learning, again, on the breaking in of a horse. And you can break in a horse violently and break its spirit and force it into submission. Or you can take a horse and... Mm. You take it from birth yeah. and nurture it and which one's more successful? kind to it and you at the end of the day you have a horse which is broken in in the sense that man can ride it but the spirit's still intact and you can have a much deeper and stronger bond with the horse wow which so at that point it then kind of you 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 shift the mindset and and you see yeah maybe it is there's this whatever genetic coding or ancient memory of conquest and ah, I must submit, must force everyone else into submission and blah, blah, blah. But maybe it's just you must nurture. Which is the thing that they wanted, these people that outwardly conquered. They wanted to conquer themselves. Mm. And they never got there. Because you cannot go in with yourself with that harshness, 
and destroying everything that has been built. The same with bacteria in your gut. Antibiotics kill everything. Probiotics raise and remove by. Look at this, sir. Probiotics, the right type, by overwhelming it with good bacteria, the stuff that's been hiding away goes, I don't belong here anymore. It's out. Mm. So it's this process of, it's almost like you could say showering with love. So if, you, if a mother's trying to discipline a child, you can be harsh on it, push it into line, or you can do the opposite and shower it with extreme love. You overwhelm it with love, with kindness, and it just dissolves. So the ego mind, which is the, the thing that we ultimately want to subdue and control, the mind that doesn't let us uh, be successful. The mind that uh, makes us suffer terrible thoughts and fears and doubts. What do we want to do? Submit. So what we do is, that's what Buddha did in his first hours of half of his life. He's like, okay, well, I need to do the harsh thing. Fasting. No eating. Eating anything with no flavor. and Entirely subduing the ego mind, the, the desire instinct. Right? And what he was finding is that he's not getting any closer to his bliss, to his joy, to finding the nature of reality. And he says, I'm done. He said, give me some food. I'm done. I just can't do this anymore. Because that's what his great journey was. So the first half was your journey. Conquer. I'm going to knock it all out so they can finally see the way. And this is what conquerors apparently were supposed to do. Of course, now they touted as heroes, but they may have been. They may not have, because there would have been another way of doing it without you demolishing everything mm. or everyone. So, so, so maybe you've labeled them as conquerors, but in their minds, they would say, like you said to me, you're not a life coach, right? I'm like, and you'd be like, he's a great coach. And I'm like, actually, you got me wrong. You perceived me as being, and then historians termed them as conquerors, right? Mm. But in fact, what they were trying to do was trying to avoid bloodshed and pain, and they had no choice. However, Maybe that's not what they were forced to become the conqueror. And then they died saying, I wish I didn't do that. Because you know there's a nicer way. So um, knowing that these things that we thought we wanted to be no longer serve us. It's like, there's a letter that Babu has wrote to his son. Yeah. That basically says exactly that. Can you tell me a little bit? Can you remember? I can't remember the exact thing, but he was, he was basically saying like, Alhamdulillah, you are going to inherit this kingdom. And like treat people well and be the noble ruler and blah, 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 blah and don't kill people and don't, don't, oh. don't just massacre people and like speak, don't, he's, he actually advised his son, don't slaughter cows because it would turn the local people against you. Right. Blah, 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 and all of these things. And it was very compassionate. And in the, in the same thing, the, the, the person who's recounting the, the story says you know it talks about like basically a semi-genocide that he committed that he, it was part of the thing of the, of the conquest was he had to annihilate all of these people mm. otherwise he couldn't maintain order order and and, and and the kind of success of the thing so is is, is what you were saying that maybe he was forced to be a conqueror and he actually wanted to be something else right and yeah the more you look at it the more the you more see but you he became the complete man because he was that, and he integrated the things in him that he hated about himself. Mm. And realized at the end, that is the completion of a man, in the sooner, the, or the woman. The sooner you get started on becoming the things that you hate about life and the world is when you integrate. That's, Jung calls it the shadow self. Mm. I'll never be like that. I'm not like this. I'm like this. And then you find a great man like Babur says, son, let me tell you what I've learned. Mm. But first, he had to be the conqueror. To know, you had to become the opposite. Because yeah. if you start off as a nice guy, compassionate guy, towards the end you're going to write a letter to your son. You know what? Not slaughtering the cows, sitting around giving them everything. Mm -hmm. Screwed us over. You go and slaughter and pillage and rape. And not in Babu's context. I'm sure he didn't do that. Or I don't know if he did or he didn't. It's the integration of the opposite. So the whole point is that whatever you want to be, become the opposite of that, right? So for me, I wanted to be successful. I wanted to conquer. I wanted to be you know, rich and famous and uh, have a lot of uh, recognition and uh, you know, be known as the strong person. All these things that were programmed into me, right? Um, which, which some are useful. Uh, 
I have to become the opposite. I needed to become one that surrenders, accepts, allows. I needed to not look for perfection. I needed to give up on my dreams. You see, because that's how people interpret this. Oh, so you just failed at life. <laughs> you just gave up and just said, oh, well, you know, I'll just sit here and let people. That's what people say. So I should just sit here and give the other cheek. Is that what you're saying? Huh? You know, and then I said, well, go look at the Zen masters, how they cre created some of the most noble and deadly samurais on the planet. If that's what you call acceptance and flow and surrender in action, go see it. If you look into a Zen master's eyes, and he is the guy who's integrated all of his ego. Mm. If you look into his eyes, he'll kick the crap out of you. <laughs> Why? Because you're afraid of him? No, because he is so severe and so aware, not severe, with his own nature. Mm. He's like, no, I will not allow that. Now, that's a compassionate no. It's not a killing no, right? Mm. But can he be the monster that you perceive? He's not the monster. You're perceiving as the monster, mm. right? Because you're afraid. And he sees through that because he knows his own nature. And that's the thing about being a good coach or being a good human being or being a good anything. Do you know your own nature? Mm. Do you know what pisses you off? Do you know what you hate? Do you know the rotten scoundrel that you are? Everybody knows, oh, I'm not like that. I'm always on time and, you know, I'm always successful and I always keep my word and I never do that. Really? Well, then you don't know yourself. You know the fake version of you. But do you know that you're late all the time and that you lied all the time? Yes. When you were a child and your mom said, did you clean the room? Now, you know, you forgot to put the toys away. Yes, mom. Right? Now, is that mean making you a bad person? No, but be honest. The whole point is to integrate that side of you that you refuse to see and you can't see it. So then they meet someone like me who's integrated his side as much as possible, not entirely because I still have work to do. And that's why I have mirrors too. Because my, 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 my view on my life blows me. Oh, you must be a great coach. And then I'll say to someone that I know and that I trust and I know that I'm not going to be reflecting their baggage on me. And they'll say, yes, I think you are. Because my shadow self or my other side of myself was saying, you're not that good, mm -hmm. right? Now, does that mean that I'm the greatest coach ever? No. Does it mean that I want to be the greatest coach ever? No. I just want to know that I'm being authentic in myself. Mm. And someone who knows themselves well enough can tell you that. But what we do is we go and ask people who don't know themselves enough to tell you what to do. Ah, but my, men, my, my mentor said this, or my mom said this, or my dad said this, or my, you know, whatever. But they don't know themselves. So how are they going to know you? And so... Getting to know yourself, if I may go into that part a little bit more, about knowing the true nature of yourself. In order to get to know who you are, and why should you get to know you, who you are? Because if you're not knowing who you are, then you're pretending to be something that you believed that you were, based on other people's interpretations and your interpretations of what other people said, did, and whatever. Right? So then, <laughs> too much. No, I'm just like, after our one hour, no, this, I'm just like, just... You switch off very quickly. No, I just... Pay attention. <laughs> focus. Be present. Yeah, what was the thing, what was the last thing you said? Because I did, I don't know, this, this window is... You're not here then. You're at the window. Be here. Yeah, because the, the gardener made a sound. It's not the gardener. It's your mind that went there. The waterfall. Aha, you know the waterfall story. I told you. Oh, what, what waterfall are you talking about? If I hear the waterfall in my present. Ah. It's the Zen master, no? Yeah. yeah. The student was saying, if I hear the Zen master in my present. Am I hearing the waterfall? If I, if I hear yeah. the waterfall in my present. So, so then, to keep it simple. No, come, present. No, you have to know yourself. Otherwise, you think you know yourself, and then you get miserable because you didn't achieve those things that you thought you were supposed to get. Mm. As in the conqueror. Well, I didn't get to do it. Babu did it. And Henry V did it. But look at me. You know, mm. chum chain sitting here at the waterfront drinking coffees all the day. I'm never going to be that. I don't even have a sword. <laughs> then again, where, what's the point of the sword? Right, where's the battle? What do you want to conquer? Who do you want to conquer? What do you want to become? You want to go back into time? To, because what we're saying is that the life that I have is inadequate. That's what it's revealing. So instead of you going to... Then I'll say to you, well, book your ticket to the past and go back to, uh, and go kill Babur and then you'll be the conqueror, right? Yeah. But it's not going to happen. So then you've got to ask, well, what's the problem with the here and now? And the whole point is the present moment is, what is your relationship with the present moment will define your entire life. 
Is my relationship with the present moment here hostile or friendly? Mm. So if you're here in the present moment saying, oh, I was reading about these guys and oh, it's such amazing. Man. Why don't you put the book away for an, as an example? And of course, reading books are beautiful and reading about people of the past is something that we must do. What's lacking in this moment? What's not here now that I need? And then that's where the opening becomes. Then you go into it. You follow that guy. You follow that train of thought. You don't avoid it. No, we, I must be present. I must stay here. Happy memories, happy thoughts, no bad thoughts. We'll stay. That's a false delusion. So the mind says, well, you know, um, I have a dream of becoming like them. Well, there's your problem. That's going to take you away from the present moment. Can you put that dream on hold? Because it's just a dream. And not that it take away from the present moment. Yeah. Okay. Well, then why do I need to become that? And you go into that. And that's what I do. Unpacking. And then you return to the present moment. At the same time, it may be that dream may be your dream, but it's no longer going to be a dream. It's going to become a reality. Why? Because that has been put into your heart. But what's also been put in your heart is lack. How do you differentiate the, the thing that I should be getting and the thing that I think I need mm. to be complete by asking the, yourself the question, would I become more complete when I achieve that? When I conquer this, when I gain this, and when I become that. And if you really ask the question deeply enough, you may find what the Buddhist teaching says, not just the Buddhist, because then we sound like we're being all religious, that the same thing that make you happy one day will make you miserable the next. The same thing that gives you joy now will ruin you later. The brain doesn't understand this. The brain says, I don't care. I'm going to kill them all until I sit on top of that pile of wood and it's all my wood and I'll be warm for me and my whole family because that's the moral justification. Mm -hmm. Right? That same pretty wife that, you know, that, you know, like women say, and he made me feel so good, so nice, and he was so friendly and he was so kind and he was so funny. And then you hear years later, what happened? Well, he was too funny. Right? And he was turning the funniness onto me. It was funny as long as he was talking and we were on the same team, but then he turned the funniness towards me. Not picking on women, but it's the same thing with men. Right? You, that ideal creature that you longed for and pined for and in the history books, they killed across the land. <laughs> right? And they finally get her and she goes, I'm not going to do that. Hmm. But I, but I, hey, 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 no, take that shit and go. Hmm. What about what I expected? Oh, you mean there's another side to this tale? Yeah, I came in with the expectations too. And guess what? You're not the guy. <laughs> Why? Because nobody can meet the expectation of a creation in your head. Can you show me this person? So this is a, a story of a, a Russian woman and she goes to the therapist and says, well, I just can't find the right man. What's the problem? Why is it so difficult? It's really simple. I just want a man who's funny, who treats me kindly, who listens to everything that I say and doesn't interrupt me. And so the, the therapist said, I think you need a television, not a man. <laughs> right? Because what you're describing right now, there isn't such a person. At the same way, the man is coming in with his things and, you know, well, why don't you just shut up and leave me alone? Right. Well, why don't you listen to what she's saying? Maybe there's some truth in it. Right. For instance, as an example. So, so this topic of love, right? What is love? I know I can tell you what love isn't, but you can't tell me what love is. Now, what do I mean by that? We say, I love him. Right? Why do you love him? Because he's funny, he's kind, he's sweet, he's sensitive. Okay. Great. He makes me feel happy. He makes me feel this way, da-da-da, whatever, roses and dance and singing. Right, so he's all of those things. Now, let's say two years later, he sleeps with your neighbor. Just has one romp, lovely sex, happiest pie, comes home and says, Honey, I had such a good time. I hate you. Hate me? I thought you loved me. Yeah, well, that's before you slept with the neighbor. But it doesn't change who I was, does it? I'm still kind. I'm still funny. I still love you. Yeah, but hold on. But I don't love you anymore. In fact, I hate you. Why do you hate me? Well, because you slept with a neighbor. But it didn't change who I was. 
I'm still the same guy. I just slept with the neighbor. So was your love for me conditional or unconditional? Well, conditional. It's based on certain rules that were not written between us. Because you didn't tell me. If I slept, I'm using a very extreme example here. The same way with the man, right? She, he's like, oh, she, you know, one of the big thing, she accepts me as I am. Because right? according to him, this broken man right? accepts me as I am. The first question I would say, well, why don't you deal with your brokenness before trying to find another woman? Or a woman that, because the previous woman said, listen, you're full of crap. And then this woman said, even though you're full of crap, I'll accept you as I am. Maybe you should ask yourself the question, why am I not accepting myself as I am? Looking for someone to accept you. And she's fine, she's funny, and she's kind, and she's sweet, and she's always there. And she looks like a really loyal woman. Great. Is she loyal to you? Always. And guess what happens two years later? She sleeps with the neighbor. Do you still love her? No, I hate her. But that's not love then. She's still kind. She's still friendly. She's still loyal to you. And she still loves you. She's saying, well, honey, I'm sorry. I just needed to sleep with the neighbor. It didn't change the essence of who, who she was. Why don't you no longer love her? So was your love love or was it conditional? Now, do you want to, answer, do you want to ask a question on that? Mm-hmm. So then... We say we love, but we love based on good. Well, for instance, I love uh, my friend until it does something that goes against your belief system. So it's not pure love. So we say, uh, there's one lovely story. He said, uh, I love fish. Oh, you love fish? Oh, absolutely love fish. Oh, I love the taste of fish. Okay. So if you love fish, you take a hook, throw it in the water, dangle some food on it and deceive it into thinking that it's food. You hook it at the side of the mouth. You grab it, take it home. You, you skin it. You chop it into pieces, put it in a pan and you eat it and you say you love fish. Is that love? Is that how love is expressed? Now, using that example, and it's not a vegan kind of dis- mm. discussion or you, know, you can eat whatever you want. Uh, you talk about, I love a flower. We love a flower. I see a beautiful flower. Oh, I think the woman says, I want to bring it home, put it in my vase. Is that love or is that possession? Our mind equates love with possession. I love it. So what do you want to do? I want to take it. So what do we do with the beautiful woman, for instance, as an example? I want her. Why do you want her? Because I love her. But now you've taken her. So with the example of a beautiful rose, it's in the beautiful garden. We cut it off. We bring it home, we put it in a vase and watch it rot after a week. Mm. And you say you love roses? If you truly love roses, you'd go to that garden every day, visit it, put some uh, manure around it, water it every day and watch it blossom. Mm. That's the same with people in our lives. If you love something, nurture it, be there for it. But don't possess it, because possession is not love. Mm. A beautiful car, look at the car go by. Now I want to own it, knowing that whatever's going to make you happy one day is going to make you miserable the next. You can enjoy this beautiful car. It's gorgeous. Look at the shapes. Not I want one. Right? Oh, I want her. Look, she made me happy. She's going to make you miserable. <laughs> that car's going to make you miserable. And that's the example there. I can see you drifting there. No, I was just thinking, I was just rem- rem- remembering the one day that... Uh, period of my life I was a driver and well not just a driver but one of my functions responsibilities was to drive and I had to take the Maserati out and drive from the university in Cape Town back to the house fetch some glasses and take it back to the university and I didn't own the car but that day I was in the car by myself and I was driving down this beautiful road through by Kirsten Bosch right. you know, in the forest trees. Exactly. And it was early morning and the light was shining through the trees. And it was just the most beautiful drive I've ever had. And it was just, it was absolutely marvelous. I didn't need to own the car. I just, I was driving it and that was all that mattered. Right, which is exactly the same as this whole universe is yours. You don't have to own any of it. Mm. You don't have to own a term. You don't have to own a label. You just have to observe it and watch it. Even that. I want to be happy. Let happiness be. Don't be happy. 
Just watch happiness for a moment. I want to be happy forever. No, you don't. There's no such thing. That same happiness is going to make you miserable. That same joy is going to make you sad. Because everything is creating it in opposites. Everything. Right? So what you want to do is first get happy and want peace. But then what's wrong with the opposite of peace? Have you made peace <laughs> with turbulence? Because then you're integrated. And the whole point is recognizing and that beyond the opposites lie the unity. Mm. Right? Happiness and sadness come from the same fountain, from the same experience. The same thing that experiences happiness experiences sadness. The same thing that experiences ugliness experiences beauty. And they are all subjective. Mm. Right? And it's all based on a construction in the mind. Right, so one of my clients said, oh, yeah, I'm cheating on my husband because, you know, this other man, he does something for me that my husband doesn't. So what does he do? Does he have a penis? Yes, he's got a penis. Right, now, is it his penis that's making you feel a certain way? Or are you allowing him to make you feel that way. Does your husband do the same thing? Yeah, but I don't feel that way. Hmm. It's your mind that is saying, well, when I'm with that person, he makes me feel, no, 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 no. He doesn't make you feel. You make you feel based on what he did. Hmm. Like, my, 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 my child is making me upset. No, your child is doing what your child is doing. You're interpreting in that and you're getting upset. I was having such a great day until my husband told me that I'm a fraud. Okay. But why did you let what he said change your idea about your day? So my wife said to me, you know, my little one, when she was little, she really knows how to press my buttons. And I said, that's interesting. And who created the buttons? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Because, because if there was no button, would she be able to press that? For instance, because a child is a child. Yeah. A child is going, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm annoying. I'm being annoying. But how would she know that's triggering you unless you have that button within you to be triggered? So what we do is we say a button is, uh, I will take criticism highly offensive. You mm. created the button. Then someone says, you know what? I think you're this. <gasps> that's criticism. That hurt me. But who created the hurt? Mm. The person's words or your perceptions? It's something important to differentiate. Mm. So the same with the Zen master walking down the forest and a man came up and hit with a stick. He went chasing up to the man and said, excuse me, you dropped your stick. Mm. So the people said, are you mad? He just hit you with a stick. He said, no, his stick hit me. He didn't. That's the differentiation. Mm. Is that he did what he did. You interpreted it this way. Like you said, he hurt me. You know, he really hurt me. Where did he hurt you? Can you show me on your body? No, because he said that I'm unfaithful. Well, are you unfaithful? No. Then why should it hurt? Mm. Right? And if it's true that you were unfaithful, apologize and own it. It doesn't have to cause hurt. Right? Hurt is an interpretation. It's not fact. Nobody gets hurt. He stole my money. He didn't steal your money. You allowed that situation to happen. The money was taken. Your interpretation of that was hurt. Money was gone. The, the stick hit the man. And so if you can differentiate from that, which is at a higher level, right? And that's why the beginning levels is of just creating joy and happiness and presence and all the rest of it. But then there's a deeper level to ultimately arrive at the opposite. Right? So you've got to become your opposite. The shadow, you can call it that. Or all the things that you thought you want. All the things that you think. You know, he's like that. You're like that. Mm. You know, I'll never be like that. Yes, you will. And that is dissolving the ego. Right? So that if you want to die before you die and see the reality before, before you see the reality is to equalize the opposites in you, so that in you there is the rotten scoundrel, and there is the saint. There is the absolute thief, and then on the other side is the absolute correct businessman, if you want to use the opposite of that. But you're integrating everything that you think you're not. Hmm. And by doing that, you're subduing the ego. And once the ego is known to you and understood to you, then you're in command of it. It's no longer commanding you. So if you want to be the conqueror, you can't conquer the ego with violence and with force because you will destroy it. That's what Imam Buseri said. The nafs and the ego is like a child. You have to wean it and distract it. So if you go head on and say, I will not think bad thoughts today. I will never do anything terrible. Oh, yes, you will. You're just strengthening it. 
Mm. And as a child, when you say to the child, don't do that, guess what the child's going to do? Not do that. But if you say, come here, honey, let's go for a walk. This is exactly the same as the horse. Exactly. Breaking in the horse. Right. So conquering requires submitting. Yeah. It requires the opposite forces. So the thing that you can't conquer, you have to open up and allow. And that by that, you will get what you want, but not by conquering. So you will conquer by not conquering, right? Which is now <laughs> we're getting into this other type of thing. But yeah, so the, the, I think that's all for today. I think there's no more to... Um, I think that's a good place to end because it's like come around full circle, pip, pop, pop, finish. Unless there's anything else you want to add into it. I want to say a little bit about what it means to be a good coach. So, Abdullah, you said to me early on that you don't think I'm a coach. You don't think what I do is a coach, right? There's something else in your mind that I do. And what that is, you don't know. And it's the same thing that I have uh, known to be true. Now, it's the same with love. I can tell you what love isn't, but I can t can't tell you what love is. Mm -hmm. The same way, I can tell you what I'm not, but I can't tell you what I am. Right? And that's the whole point of all the rest of it. But you have these people now, whether they call them life coaches, therapists, psychotherapists, all the rest of it, and I'm included in that category, that believe that they've gotten something that they can heal the world with. Many of the times, me included, I wanted to go and heal the world and go and help people because it was a projection. I had to be honest with myself. I'm saying, what will you get from helping the world? How does that benefit you? Because as much as you'd like to pretend like you're all noble and everything, even when we're serving people, there is a selfish reason. Because my heart feels happy helping others. It's not being selfish. And that's because selfish, the word selfishness is, is, is um, polarized and sort of like that's an evil thing. No, everybody is selfish. Everybody takes care of their own interests. Why do we be kind to people? Because that's the right thing to do. How does that make you feel? Makes me feel good. Is that a selfish trait? Yeah, nothing wrong with feeling good by serving others, right? So then we go out and project onto the world. I'm watching your <laughs> energy, uh, your attention go. So no, uh, no, I'm actually very attentive. Okay, it was just, it was just, a, it was just a body just... reacting, not the mind. Yeah. You know, so that's getting to know what the body is and what the mind is, right? And so um, I think the most effective thing, assuming that I'm a good coach, if you want to call it that, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because then people will say, "Well, who said you were a good coach?" I didn't. But let's say, in my perceptions, that a definition of a good coach, which sometimes I can be, if there is such a thing as a coach. Right? I know, I know, I know where we're going. I know once you open that can of worms, there's no getting out of it, right? So then it would be somebody who has dealt with their load of baggage. So they're not projecting onto the world the things that they want the world to become. I want to make sure the world is kinder, nicer, uh, friendlier, and less violent, and uh, nobody should abuse anybody. It's all the things that you haven't dealt with. Now you're projecting that onto the world. Or then someone comes to you with a situation, and then you use your reference material. Ah, well, I had a client that walked in the door yesterday, same problem as you. Tell you what, take these two pills and get up in the morning and be fine. That's modern-day psychology in many ways. Oh, you're feeling anxious. Ah, okay, well, you take this pill and get out of here. The pharmaceutical uh, approach, the chemical approach. But hold on a second here. Maybe that's not the approach. So knowing that you don't know anything gives you the gateway to being the conduit for them to get what it is that they want. So a good coach in that sense, from my perspective, is someone who is entirely aware and present of themselves in tremendous detail. The more detail you know yourself, the more you realize that you know very little, and then you can be helpful. So in that way, a child sitting and listening to grandpa complaining about his problems is more useful than the son or the mother or the, the daughter talking to the grandpa, right, in that, in that particular way, because the child is just being a child. Ah, it must be terrible. It is. I tell you what, getting old is not nice. I'm sure, it's terrible. The child doesn't build up and go, well, you know what, Dad, I'm also 50 and it's not so bad. Now you're bringing your projections and your perceptions. Or someone said, well, I've been divorced. Oh, well, I've also been. That's what people do. Oh, you've been divorced? I'll become a divorce coach. Great. You know, uh, I want to be a counselor. What traumas have you dealt with? 
And why is it that if you've experienced that trauma that you'd make a good coach? No, it does not equate to the same way that love does not equal possession, that you being a good coach doesn't mean that you've dealt with a lot in your life. Mm. It does not equate to that. And as we know from our mentor that giving advice is the most arrogant thing you can do. Active aggression. Is active aggression. Mm. How do you know what is good for them and bad for them? And how do you know that what they're going through right now is their greatest achievement? And they come to you and say, help me to get rid of it. Maybe you're not supposed to get rid of it. So coming in and pretending to be your qualification, because this is what this world has become, right? Has become, people don't have in them, and it's no fault to them, this ability to recognize and say, I see something in them. And I was very lucky, and so were you, where we could recognize this in someone and say, very interesting. I can, I can trust this man, or I can trust this woman, which requires you to trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Trust is not out there. So I don't trust him. You don't trust yourself. It's got nothing to do with outside. If you trust yourself enough, knowing yourself, you can trust someone else. But if you don't trust yourself, you will walk around in mistrust all the time. And what does that trusting yourself mean? It's a process and learning how to trust yourself. Some people just have born with doubts, doubts about everything. So, yeah, we can take it further. You're a professional mirror. Huh. Thank you for listening to this episode of the New Nomos podcast. To conclude, I want to read out the letter from Babur to his son Humayun that he wrote towards the end of his life, where he says, O oh my son, the realm of Hindustan is full of diverse creeds. Praise be to Allah that he has granted unto you the empire of it. It is but proper that you, with heart cleansed of all religious bigotry, should dispense justice according to the tenets of each community, and in particular refrain from the sacrifice of cow, for that way lies the conquest of the hearts of the people of Hindustan, and the subjects of the realm will, through royal favour, be devoted to you. And the temples and abodes of worship of every community under the imperial sway you should not damage. Dispense justice so that the sovereign may be happy with the subjects and likewise the subjects with their sovereign. The progress of Islam is better by the sword of kindness, not by the sword of oppression. So with that said, I'm going to end this by making a dua for the great Mughal emperor. May Allah bless Zahiruddin Muhammad Babur expand his tomb and pour lights into his tomb and make it a place of immense baraka that spreads from the heart of Kabul through Afghanistan to the surrounding areas. And by the rank of his bloodline, may every drop of Mughal blood in the descendants of Babur and the descendants of the great Mughals awaken and resonate at the frequency of our great ancestors. Thank you.